Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Oh my God, AJ. Oh, yeah. Welcome. We're doing this, though. I can't believe we're actually doing this. Well, for those of you just joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Everybody's just joining us. Hello. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. right. (laughs) Everyone's just joining us. Welcome to the whole world (laughs) to the very first episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts. Just kidding. We don't need to do that. that I know. We don't need to do that. So basically for 40 minutes, about 40 minutes, okay, don't hold us to it, but around for 40 minutes, we're going to talk <laughs> to mostly under the age of 40 entrepreneurs. We're also going to every now and then bring in an advisor, someone who's very experienced, and we have those, you know, maybe one out of four people who are on the show. Because you can always learn from those people that are absolutely you know, older and wiser, as they say. Yeah, so I'm really excited because rewinding a little bit, AJ and I, well, we met each other several years ago now. We've kind of been accountability partners, entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur buddies, accountability exactly, buddies. Exactly. And when I first met AJ, he was running a, a vending machine business for healthy vending. And it was multi-million dollar company. I was very intimidated by him and come on short, it didn't really work out for him. And now he's running a marketing agency. It didn't work out. I went bankrupt, which is a whole other story. I will <laughs> we'll talk about that. it sometime. We'll get into that later, but very, very cool person excited to be co-host with him. I know. And Caitlin Cromit, you are running and you were running dream catchers, which is a really cool nonprofit. You give people in hospice kind of their last wish, right? Is that the premise? Yeah, essentially. Nailed it on the head. So we both have kind of had these entrepreneurial experiences in our life. We were so inspired by each other and by other people at at and around our age, you know, younger, doing these crazy cool things, starting these businesses, going through these journeys. And we love to hear those stories. So we wanted to put it all in one place and make it available to the world. What I love about the younger entrepreneur is that we don't have the experience. So we're kind of winging it and figuring it out. It's so cool to learn from those people who are in the trenches, failing and getting back up. And we want to bring in like, not just your average, like, oh, I started a business this is my story, but, but more like the personal side too. Cause like entrepreneurship isn't just about starting a business. It, it affects your whole life. It's like, it's a lifestyle, man. All right. Well, let's bring on our first guest ever. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. This woman is incredible. She has started this really awesome company called Saga. And Saga, it basically saves your family memories and puts it into audio form. It's almost like a podcast. She's going to do a way better job of explaining that. But bottom line, she's incredibly smart, has an amazing story, super young. And I think you're going to be really inspired by her. And she's super smart. She has her MBA from Harvard University. I'm so excited. Do you want to say welcome, (laughs) Amelia? Welcome to our first ever guest, Amelia Lynn founder of Saga. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So for everyone that doesn't know you, tell us a little bit about Saga and tell us about your business. 
I am the co-founder and CEO of Saga. We are a audio app for saving family memories. It's actually something that for me comes from a pretty personal place. I started for my own mom and dad. I had wanted for many years to find a way to save these really incredible stories they used to tell me and my sister when we were growing up about like, you know, how they met and you know, what was it like for them coming to America and, and all of this stuff. And so my goal was I, I wanted to create something that would be really easy for them to use, something that would feel really fun for us to do together instead of a big chore and something we could use from anywhere because my family lives in all different places now. My sister lives in one place. I live out here in California. My parents are in Texas where I grew up. And so that's a little bit, that's a little bit about, about me and what we, what we do. So Saga is an app. You run a tech company. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to start an app? What that process was like for you? Oh yeah, gosh. I, it was it was certainly a very selfish kind of motivation, which is that I had wanted this, you know, for for my own parents. So they were, you know, testers one and two. So um, I pretty much at the beginning there certainly wasn't an app, nor did I even imagine that it would become an app one day. But at the time, it was literally me kind of getting on the phone with my with my parents trying to to interview them and to ask them questions about some of these things that they lived through in the past on phone calls video i also tried having them write it to me in an email i mean I, I tried all the sorts of different things you know the way that it works now today is that we have these kind of suggested prompts and topics that we send to families some of them are things that are um, based around events in the past like you know how did you meet dad but some of them are also things that are like, you know, what did you do for Thanksgiving this year? And then everybody voice records their their answers. And then all of the recordings are privately saved and shared with each other. Kind of like getting a private podcast from your family. So that's kind of how it works today. But it's so interesting because looking back, it actually was like a lot of iteration to, to figure out that we wanted to do something around audio which I feel like is now very, is very appropriate now that we're talking about it on a podcast. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was and, something that, you know, is kind of unique that we wanted to do. And why audio and not video? Oh my gosh. Such a good question. Because we wanted the same, like, we totally thought the same thing. We actually tried doing video at first. And uh, there were two big reasons. One was that we found that it was just a little bit more of like a technological barrier. Um, you know, my mom and my dad have actually even worked in the software industry for like decades. And even they still struggle with <laughs> getting on like a Hangout with me, a Google Hangout or even a Zoom. It's always like, oh, yeah. my my centered, is the lighting good? Half the time I'm like staring so at my variables. forehead. So many variables. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I it would, it would take like half an hour each time for us to kind of get totally set up. Whereas with uh, voice, we actually were able to, like we actually built this feature at, at the time that kind of let people call into a special phone number to record. So it was like super, super easy, right? Like anybody could do it. You didn't need a yeah. smartphone. You could even do it from a landline, right? Anybody knows how to dial a number and like leave a voicemail. So there was a technological kind of ease of audio. And the other one that was really big for us was we found that video made people self-conscious. Uh, especially, actually, kind of older family members uh, really oh, didn't love so getting, yeah, didn't love being recorded on video. Um, yeah. So, like, as an example, like, even my mom, right, um, she would say, oh, well, you know, okay, let me sit a little further back from the camera. I don't want it too close. Oh, and classic, yeah. Let me go put on makeup. Whereas with, you know, when it was just voice, 
you still got that same sense of real intimacy, you know, it was like, you know, being on the phone with your mom or like just hearing her voice right there, like she's next to you. You know, she could be hanging out in her favorite comfy chair and like her PJs and it doesn't matter. And drinking you know. a glass of wine, no judgment. Exactly. And that, I mean, that was kind of the intimacy and the, that we wanted, right? We wanted people to feel really comfortable. It's um, so true. Like with podcasts, you almost feel like you're friends with them because they're like in your ears, you're like listening to them and you don't even have to see them. Right. Yeah. So, the, so kind of for all those reasons, um, we chose voice. And it was so interesting was that we made that decision in like 2018 slash early 2019. At the time, it was kind of weird or like it was considered weird. Like I would get asked all the time, you know, why, why audio? That seems a little strange. Why not video? Then podcasting was really just catching fire in, in 2019. And suddenly we started to get a lot of interest in it. Like audio wasn't seen as such a weird choice anymore. Right now, the social applications of audio are just, I mean, the, the, it's just taking off. Like people are just really mm -hmm. starting to pay attention. And so it kind of feels strange because it's like this decision that we made for completely different reasons at the time. We've just genuinely felt like this is an untapped medium. And it's the right medium for what we're wanting to do, but I think we we've been uh, on the right side of right side of the trends for the last couple of years. Your business really stemmed from almost like a personal thing for you, and it was that personal experience that you had. But was it something that you know you had always dreamed of starting your own business, or was it just because you had that experience and you were like, you know, hey, maybe I want to start the business? Yeah, the answer is a little bit complicated. I do have I have plenty of friends who who work in in startups or have have um, been entrepreneurs and and started their own businesses and many of them would say that it was something they had wanted for a long time or had wanted known they wanted to do ever since they were kids and i can't say that that's actually true for for me i've always loved creating things i think that is very true i've always loved creating stuff and building new things and trying to figure out how to create something new where there wasn't something before that i think has been really true like even from an early age yeah. but I don't think I always knew that it was going to be in technology. I actually, um, in, in college, I actually studied, uh, I studied physics and I worked in research labs. So it was a very different world. It was an academic world, but the motivation was the same. I really, like the stuff that I got to work on in labs was like this really crazy cutting edge, uh, cutting edge technology that was exciting to imagine that it was something that people could use someday. Um, yeah. I, that is how I initially kind of fell in love with uh, the technology startup world in particular. Um, I did an internship in college, just really loved that experience of, and that that sense of speed that you could get where you could come up with an idea in the morning and it could be live by the afternoon. That was really incredible. And uh, that's what got me when I graduated from undergrad to decide to kind of take the leap. And I moved out here to the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I still am today, and started working in startups and just kind of never really looked back from that. I can, for me, you know, it's kind of this like magical feeling of, you know, how do you create, how do you take an idea and turn it into something really real? That being said, I actually didn't necessarily imagine that I would go and start something someday, like personally, especially like a, a company. I always loved working in startups. I knew that that was something I always enjoyed, but whether it was particularly mine or, you know, my idea or someone else's idea didn't really matter so much to me. I just cared about working on something that I was excited about with other people who were excited about it. If you didn't move to the Bay Area, it's Silicon Valley, it's the tech area. Do you think that is ultimately what shaped 
you being in the tech world and working for startups? I guess it's hard to say what the cause and effect is. I was drawn to this area because I wanted to work in startups. And if there was anywhere in the world that I wanted to be to do that, this was the place to be. You know, I loved that I could go to a cafe and half the conversations around me would be people talking about working on their own thing, talking about working on their own thing. I think there's there's a certain sense of optimism, right? Almost like this sense of crazy optimism that you need to believe that something like that is even possible. It certainly wasn't something that was very common. You know, I grew up in a suburb in Texas, and the idea of going and working for a startup that, who knows, might not exist in a year or something like that, was not exactly common. If you start something and you actually believe that, you know, you or a team of small, you know, five people or whatever, right, could actually create something that would make any kind of difference in the world, that's a real sense of, yeah, that's a real sense of optimism, right? I think there's something very magical about that. It doesn't exist everywhere. You grew up in suburb of Texas. Like, did you ever get like pushback from like any your community or your family? Like, were they ever like, "What the heck are you doing? This doesn't seem safe." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Entrepreneurship? Um, what? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so I got you know it's partway through college that I really got interested and. So kind of through the rest of the later half of college, I was kind of actively pursuing this interest. I started taking, I started cross-registering at local business schools for classes that were about entrepreneurship. I, I really looked for, you know, are there like classes at the extension schools or things that are about kind of um, doing a startup, which I, I didn't know anything about. I started a club that was about entrepreneurship because I didn't really exist at the time. And so I, I when I decided that I wanted to go work at a startup after after college, I mean, I think my family was more like puzzled and slightly concerned than, <laughs> than anything else. I think they were just like, so you're gonna go work with this company that might not exist like in a year. And they're also like, also you're gonna be taking like a way lower salary than you know a lot of your, your, your classmates and your friends, um, which was true. I was definitely taking like a, a lower salary than I, I could have gotten kind of elsewhere on, on the market doing something else or working at a more established company. So you know, I think to, to their credit, my parents and my family have actually always been supportive, um, even if they've been a little bit puzzled and confused right. uh, by my choices. They're shoot like, you down at least. <laughs> yeah, they're like, look, it's your life. You know, we're going to support you, whatever you do, which I, I, yeah. just, I just think that I give them so much credit for for being able to kind of to, to do that. <laughs> now, you're a Harvard grad, okay, which is super impressive. You went to Harvard undergrad and then you got your MBA from Harvard, correct? So that is amazing. How important was going to school for your business? <sighs> yeah, I guess there's like two pieces to that. So some people might think that, and I, I wasn't sure either when I went back to the MBA program, whether it was it was going to be that the stuff that I learned in class would be really directly applicable to what I was doing day to day. And that was kind of my secret hope. I thought, well, gosh, you know, I've spent these years working at startups and, you know, I'm really trying my best, but I don't know a ton. I'm not an expert in some of the things that I have to figure out every day to day. And that'd be really wonderful if I could go get like a more solid foundation and you could come back and be a much more effective and efficient kind of employee and teammate. I think like on that side, I don't know that I think it was super necessary because a lot of the kinds of stuff that I learned in business school were like much kind of bigger and broader and more kind of strategic ways of thinking 
But when you are just in the weeds day to day, it's all about execution. No, it's like teach you that in school. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. It is kind of. I guess I was like, maybe it's useful to sort of have this very broad like framework for how to think about marketing. But also on day one, you got to get some Google AdWords campaigns up and running. And Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that they didn't really teach as much in the MBA program. So right. that part was a little bit like maybe a little bit less of what I'd like expected and, and hoped. Um, what I would say I think has been by far the biggest um, value that came from the business program, which I actually underestimated beforehand, is how having just that network of classmates was going to be incredibly helpful later on. That's what I hear. The network is the best part. I can't tell you how many times I've had some some problem that I'm struggling with. And I know I'm not an expert in it. But I know that someone else who I know knows knows a lot about this particular subject. And so instead of me trying to slog away and chip away at it and kind of reverse engineer the answer bit by bit, there's someone who I can reach out to who I know will take my call. And we'll say, look. A very brilliant someone, I imagine. (laughs) Right. Someone who's much more capable than I am. Alumni network, yeah. (laughs) And we'll be like, oh, yes, okay, you're trying to figure out this problem here. Here's the TLDR. Let me just boil it down for you. Here's the things you should worry about. Here's where I would go. Here's some other useful people, helpful people you you should chat with. As you've been in the startup world and now starting your own business, have you ever had moments of like, I wish I had just gotten a normal job? Like, you know, it's like so much to have to worry about, especially in a city like San Francisco. I can imagine sometimes that might have been stressful. The hardest time for me was probably around like month three after I had left my job to work on Saga uh, full time, which was this idea that I was very, very passionate about and really wanted to exist in the world for myself. So at the time I had left completely on my own. So I didn't have partners that I was working with yet. Um, I hadn't been wise enough to think about that beforehand. Uh, If I could go back and give myself some advice, it probably would have been, think about that. (laughs) See if you can start it with with another person because there there absolutely were people who I, I could have and would have and should have partnered with who ended up coming and helping later, but I didn't, I didn't need to suffer through the first three months alone. And so, yeah, I was spending, I was spending every day just kind of working completely by myself, you know, from a corner of, of the house that we rent. Uh, It was empty during the day, except for me. That's always good. (laughs) And, you know, I think some people might find that really, I know some people really love working from home and find it super productive. I'm a people person. And that was so hard for me. That was incredibly hard for me. Um, Just like being alone all day, like working on your own stuff, right? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, Right. With no, and I think what was, with no one else to tell you whether your ideas were great or terrible or whether you were succeeding or failing. Yeah. And you're motivating yourself to do things. What about accountability? Like, were you good at holding yourself accountable? Exactly. I mean, it's like that weird, tricky thing. It was like, okay, well, who's going to help me figure out what I should do? Oh, only me. But who's in charge of making sure that I actually do those things? Only me. And who's in charge of telling me whether I do a good job at doing those things? I, I guess that's me again. <laughs> it's, it's so easy to look in the mirror and be like, you know, you get another extension on this, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's okay that you missed your deadline. You know, we can reschedule. I can't tell you how many deadlines I've been like, you know what? I'm just going to add uh, 30 days to this one. 
like <laughs> you know i don't think i really i don't think that was my greatest fear my greatest fear We're was just that slackers. I was just, my fear really? was that i'd be doing i was doing a terrible job and i didn't know right like that was my greatest fear was that without someone else around me to maybe red flag if i was about to do something really stupid that i would be making bad choices or bad decisions that is so th scary yeah yeah that was like the worst thing and and certainly during that time like yeah, I wasn't taking a salary. I was living off of savings and just like, just really trying to cut any kind of uh, like personal costs. And uh, yeah, you know, I definitely have moments of just and driving down the street, looking at nice offices and thinking, man, I love that. Am I just an idiot? Yeah, honestly. Can you tell us when that transition from you being alone in the house that you rented to adding teammates, building a business. You raise money from investors, right? Like, can you That's walk right. through that process? It actually was around that time. So it took me about three months to reach the breaking point where I thought I cannot continue to work alone from home. Um, I still hadn't gotten brave enough to actually go look or even ask for teammates. So that was still, that was still a little ways off, but I did come to the conclusion I need to go find a place to co-work with other people. So I was trying to figure out ways to kind of address uh, sort of my own, the, the things that I could control. And I thought, okay, well, I don't have to, be, I, I can still be working by myself, but I don't have to do it completely isolated from, from the world. Um, so yeah, I went out and started kind of almost like shopping at local co-working spaces. I would go in for like a day and see, okay, like what's the vibe like here? Um, so I found a really great co-working space in Palo Alto that had a really strong community. I loved it because people there actually, you know, there are a lot of co-working spaces where it's like everybody just has their own little cubicle and, and no one talks to each other. And I said, well, that's just, that's, that's exactly what I don't want, right? I want somewhere where people, like, I can, I can chat about what I'm working on over lunch and we can swap ideas and I want someone, I want a place where you know, there's water cooler talk. And so I found this really great co-working space um, in uh, Palo Alto, which is called Sacred Space Co-working. And they're not open right now during the lockdown, but um, they have just been fantastic. And so that was that was where I kind of ended up going. That led to, I ended up finding uh, some really awesome friends to kind of come on as, as part-time teammates. I couldn't believe, you know, really, once I was brave enough to ask how many people came out of the woodwork and said, we want to, I want to support you. I hadn't, I hadn't dared to dream that that would be something that would be possible. Mm, love that. Um, yeah, and so, yeah. And so that was how the first version of Saga got built, you know, was through honestly, just a lot of amazing support and, and goodwill from, from, from some incredible friends and former coworkers who um, were kind of helping out on, on the team. And then, yeah, we raised our, our round in, in 20, our first round in 2019 and have since then actually released this thing that started out as an idea in my head, as an actual app. Uh, we're now in the, we released our iOS app in the middle of COVID. If you search for Saga Memories, you'll find it. We are now a social audio app uh, to save family memories. Uh, moms are our biggest, yeah. our biggest users, and we're a full-time uh, team of five, which I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined, you know, at wow. the time when it was just me. Yeah, that is hard to imagine. And it's cool to like have other people and in, like invest their lives in, in your vision. Like that's a pretty cool feeling. Um, it is. It also feels kind of like a huge honor, honestly. Yeah, like, like you're doing this for me. You it's believe a privilege. In this yeah. yeah, exactly. I just feel so grateful every day that, 
And, you know, I get to work with the people that I do. It's a really great group of human beings. That's so awesome. Going back to, you know, you had to raise your first round of funding. What, if any advice do you have for people, you know, at those early stages that are nervous about that, that maybe have no idea how to raise money for their business? Like, do you have any advice that maybe helped you as you were going through that? Yeah, I would say the biggest one is to to try to get past that feeling of being scared of hearing no. When you're starting out, it's your own thing. And you're so invested in it. Sometimes, like I know for me, I was just terrified of even explaining what I was working on to other people because I didn't even know how to put it into words at the beginning, right? And and you just worry that it, there's 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 a certain amount of like I think it's not uncommon um, to have for there to be a certain amount of your ego, you know, wrapped up in this thing that you've invested so much in, and you're just you're kind of worried. You're just like, well, what if somebody, you know, what if, what if I'm secretly an idiot? (laughs) No one will tell me. Um, And uh, the best thing that I did for myself was to just keep pushing past that fear over and over and over again. And just getting out there, explaining Saga to someone. And the first time it wasn't very good and it wasn't very eloquent. But the 200th time, by the 200th time, it was getting pretty good. And I was like, okay, I can explain what it is. <laughs> yeah, like now I get on. it. Yeah. How did but you it's... find the people that like you were pitching to, I guess? Oh, like, everybody. Um, it was literally everybody. It was literally like I was just, I would tell everyone I knew what I was working on. All my coworkers, all my former coworkers knew. My friends, everybody knew. Um, strangers that I've run into at an event. So, you know. Um, and their questions <laughs> help shape your pitch ultimately, right? That's right. And there's there's kind of at least there's just no better way other than kind of shoving yourself out the door and doing it over and over and over again um, to get better. And I think the same thing goes for raising where um, the first pitch deck that I put together was frankly awful. And I knew it. I didn't need anybody to tell me that it was awful. It was definitely pretty awful. And I didn't know how to make it better. Um, but I just kept asking, I kept finding people who had gone through fundraising and it successfully raised and just kept asking that I said, here's, here's my pitch deck please rip it apart. And, uh, you know, and I would get tons of feedback on all the things that were That's wrong great. with it. Yeah. And then I'd go and try and make it better. And then I'd come back and say, okay, what about now? And just doing that over and over and over again, you just got to be okay. You know, you just got to understand that in order to get better, you got to start out being not that great. And the faster you get through that part, the faster you're going to get to the part where it's good. So I have a question for you. You mentioned that you didn't see yourself as an entrepreneur originally. You were a physics major. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or... Are grown. I'm definitely kind of a growth mindset kind of person in general. I tend to believe that if you put your mind to something, you can make a lot more change happen there than than one might believe. It's hard to say whether that's objectively true or whether it's just more of a self-fulfilling prophecy because <laughs> I'm willing to sort of throw myself at a lot of things that I don't know how to do. Um, but I believe that it's something that can be learned in the sense that if you'd asked me if I thought of myself as an entrepreneur or, or that kind of person, I probably would have said no. I probably said, well, that doesn't really seem like me. I'm not somebody who thinks of themselves as like a good at sales or networking or, or these things that in my mind, you know, I kind of figured the, these are things that entrepreneurs must be good at. 
right? I didn't know anything about accounting or business or any of that, right? Like my, my, my goal in undergrad was to become a physics professor, which is very, very different. Wow. Look so. how you've changed. <laughs> well, what I noticed about you, like working with you with, with Dreamcatchers is like, you are so good at knowing that you don't know something and asking for advice or help. Like when, when we were talking about the intern thing and like the press releases and I was just so impressed because a lot of people just act like they know everything. And I figured I was like, wow, she's so successful. Like she definitely knows way more than me, but you were just flat out. Like, I don't know. Can you share some info with me? Like uh, we just need <laughs> here. And I think that's a key quality, like knowing that you don't know and being willing to learn, right? Like learn everything. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And I think like, um, so I, I almost feel like the, it is possible to learn how to even see in yourself the possibility, right, that you maybe are more of an entrepreneur than, than maybe you think. Because at this point, I, so when I when I left my job to go start Saga, I, I actually can't tell you how many people came to me and said, I knew you were going to start something someday. Wow, you just had that Thing about you maybe That's I don't hard. know I was shocked because I said really well how did you know because I didn't know <laughs> but clearly you know something about me that I don't and yeah and people would kind of explain to me the you know qualities that they saw in me that sort of you know made them believe that this is something I was going to do or would be good at and it's kind of one of those things where it, you know it opens your eyes to thinking gosh I never would have thought of that myself that way or or I didn't think that I could be capable of that but now I I I can see I can I can I can learn to see myself that way <laughs> Who is the technical person behind the app are you a, into coding are you so did how did that work So when I left when I started Saga I had a beta basically running in about two weeks and people are always like so how did that happen how'd you get that up and running in two weeks and the answer was i didn't write any code it was all manual i would schedule times with people and i would get on the phone with them or you know interview them and you know i would track what questions i was asking them in like a google doc and then i would download the files and email them to their families. I mean, we're talking really, really manual here. And so that's kind of one of the things that I believe is that I think sometimes we can get trapped behind this idea of like, I can't get started or I can't get started learning until I build out the beautiful thing that's in my mind. I just don't think that's true. I think that there's a lot of ways that you can get creative to start learning right away. And frankly, I actually think that's better at the beginning because since I hadn't written any code, I could basically experiment just about endlessly. It was really easy for me to say, well, let's let's try getting on a video call instead of a phone call. Or why don't you, you know, let's, let's have you try like writing out a memory. And okay, well, what if I start sending you questions every day? What about once every two weeks? What about you groups nimble. of questions? Yes, that's right. So I could actually change a lot of stuff very quickly. And I was also constantly talking to people. So every time I was on the phone with a tester, I was asking them, so what are you liking about it? What could we improve? What could be better? You're just learning so much from 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 talking directly to the people who are are trying out this, you know, very, very basic version of your service. You're starting to learn a lot about what, what works and what doesn't. And there's so much of what is in the product today that 
was absolutely not in kind of that first version I had in my mind. And the only way that, you know, we figured it out was from from just trying stuff um, yeah. and seeing how people responded. So kind of getting to more like a, you as an entrepreneur, tell us like, what's your typical day like? Like, I know a lot of people are like, what the heck does an entrepreneur do on a daily basis when you don't have anyone telling you what to do? What does your typical day look like? That is such a hard question to answer because- Different all the time. <laughs> different all the time. And also I think it's changed a lot even on, even over the you know short time that it's been since like saga has been in existence but my days when it was literally just me doing everything versus now when i have teammates to help me out even that is hugely different um so i would say today um a lot of the things that i think about are kind of like bigger and more things that are outside of, of the internal workings of the company, which is honestly just a really cool um, privilege to get to think about. I think more about how we're going to build our team, where we need help, who do we need to hire, what kind of person do we want to hire, what kind of culture do we want to build. I think a lot more about like how we're going to get the word out there. How are we going to get the word out? Especially right now, um, I'm looking for ways to to get in touch with just like communities of moms who have been really kind of our biggest fans. You know, how, where are we going to, how, how are we gonna make sure that the world even knows that we exist? Whereas, you know, it used to be that I also had to think a lot about exactly how everything was gonna be built and how everything was gonna work and, and all of that too. And thank goodness that I now have a really amazing team of people who helps me think about those things. <laughs> that yeah, I can also- your plate a little bit. Yeah, totally. Well, and also they know way more about what they're doing than, <laughs> than I did at the time. So now we have a really great team of engineers who know way more about building apps than, <laughs> than, than I did um, or do my co-founder Nicole comes from Instagram and so she knows a wow. heck of a lot more about building like really great social apps for everyday people uh, than I do and so it's kind of a privilege to have people like that around you helping you. What about personal sacrifices? What are some that you've had to make as an entrepreneur? So I'll tell you about the sacrifice but then it also feels like it hasn't been that much of a sacrifice kind of given the situation so I certainly this is the, the job that I've ever like worked the hardest for and kind of like worried the most about and it's certainly like the job I've been the most invested in I think so much you know about about Saga about what it is what it could be where we're going the opportunities the challenges it's kind of just always on on my mind it's a bit sort of all encompassing uh yeah it's probably a better yeah. word so I do I do work a lot but at the same time especially right now during lockdown it's you know I, I'm not really going anywhere anyway. And it's a so, good time to be working a lot, I guess. I was, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's an okay time to be to be uh, hunkered down at home. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably that's probably the most like serious personal sacrifice. But it's also one that, you know, I think I knew that I was signing up for, and it's actually one that like my partner uh, Kira and I like talked about really early on because. I wanted to make sure that he was on board too when I, both of us have worked at startups and we know how intense it can be. And so, you know, even before I left my job to go work on Saga, we had a pretty frank conversation about, you know, what that could mean. And, you know, was that something that it was really important to me 
to make sure that it was something that he felt okay with or felt good about. Um, and to his credit, he's just been the most supportive and amazing person. <laughs> so I feel like he that's is... so important to have like someone on your team, you know, like helping be supportive in that way. Oh my goodness. It, it allows you to not on your personal all team. The time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And there were so many times when I, I think I doubted that I could do it, that it was something that I would be capable of or any of that. And, and really kind of all those times he, he was the one, you know, who said, you know, I really think you can do this and, you know, you should, you should go do this. Like huge credit to him and awesome. uh, kept you going strong Aww. for sure. Yeah, that's really adorable. We'll I love love. We'll send this part to him. Um, <laughs> I guess kind of wrapping up, do you have, what advice do you have for someone who's in that spot of like, should I start it? Is it too risky? You know, I'm scared. I have all these fears. Do you have, what advice do you have for like a young entrepreneur or wannabe entrepreneur? Um, and, you know, I think one of the things is there's nothing that you don't all, you don't have to necessarily, right? Like, jump off the deep end to know those to know those things I would say like there's so much stuff that you can do on the side no matter what it is that you're doing to explore whether this is something that excites you it doesn't take much nowadays to go spin up you know a, a site you don't even need to build it right mm -hmm. you can use you can use any number of services to start like tinkering around with ideas and start telling people your ideas and see how they respond and you know, see how people get excited or not excited about it or what questions they ask. There's so much that you can do even without writing a single line of code. And, you know, we got our first paying customer on a version of the product that still hadn't had actual code written for it. Um, you can get really far, you know, um, yeah. sort of sort of testing and validating an idea. And so I, I would definitely encourage people to, to go for it. You know, even if you don't know if you're ready to, to go into it full time, explore that, explore that interest on the side. I think if you're, if it's something you're really excited about and you're really passionate about, then you never know where it'll lead you. Well, I just downloaded Saga. So can you tell people where to find out more about it? And oh yeah, awesome, yes. So if you would like to uh, check us out and learn more, uh, we help families save, save family memories starting with, uh, with voice spe uh, specifically. You can go to trysaga.com, T-R-Y-S-A-G-A.com. Uh, we're free to download for now uh, in the app store, so definitely come check us out. Uh, you can also find us in the app store by searching Saga Memories. Um, th yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, no, I think everyone should get on this because obviously Amelia is incredibly inspiring and this story of how it got started, I mean, it's such a connector and I think we all need that right now, especially like building those connections with our family members and our friends. Thank and you. Thank you so much for coming, Amelia. You were amazing. Seriously, I'm inspired. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and having me on. That was awesome, huh? Yeah, wow. I mean, so when I started working with her, I didn't know, obviously, any of these things. So we I learned now... so much from our guests. Yeah, and just about the journey. And I, I mean, I hope you guys are inspired, as inspired as we are, because I feel like, you know, there's nothing we can't do now. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Please tune in. In two weeks, we are going to have an awesome guest. Mike Grandinetti, another Ivy League dude. He's from Yale. He's a UC Berkeley instructor. Really excited about him. 
Yeah. He's going to be one of our advisors. So you're going to get kind of a taste of that, but we're really excited about that. We hope you're following along because this is our first episode and thanks for bearing with us as we start off on this journey. So oh my God, we did it. Oh my God, we did it. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.